I'm your host, Jim Nathano. This is your weekly college basketball radio show here on WVOX, 1460 AM in New Rochelle, New York. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being part of the show. In three weeks, we're going to be holding NCAA tournament brackets. How about that, folks? Three weeks we'll be holding NCAA tournament brackets. So starting next week, until that date, we will be talking about the NCAA tournament because I know you all care about doing your brackets. So we'll be sharing some words about who a particular Cinderella team may be this year, who's an underdog nobody's talking about, who's one of the best teams that's going to go all the way. We're going to talk about the NCAA tournament starting next week. We'll even work in a little bit tonight. So I have two guests tonight. Connor Hope from Heat Check CBB for college basketball. Used to be at Busting Brackets. Uh, we talked to Busting Brackets a lot on the show. Connor Hope does a great job of talking about college basketball on Twitter. So follow him on Twitter. He's an excellent analyst. So he's going to be coming on the show. We'll be talking about Gonzaga. We'll be talking about UConn and Villanova. And we'll be talking about this mess of Michigan and Wisconsin yesterday. We'll get into that with Connor. I'm going to save my thoughts when I talk to Connor. Or maybe I'll work with him now soon. Who knows? Um, all right. With that said, my second guest is Mike Zabo, who's a student uh, at St. John's. He's a senior. He's the co-sports director of the campus radio station. He also is involved with a blog about St. John's. St. John's all of a sudden got hot. They're playing some really good basketball. Their fans are getting a little excited that maybe if they can run the table the rest of the season, they can still make the NCAA tournament. We'll see, and we'll talk about that with Mike. So I'm going to save a little bit of my comments about St. John's for when Mike calls us. Uh, he's going to be calling at 8.30. All right, so my wife was away this weekend, so I had a college basketball extravaganza. All I did was sit home and watch college basketball, and I have to tell you, it was the most magnificent weekend a guy could ever have. Now, as you know, my regular listeners of this show, I love Iona, St. John's, St. Bonaventure, Buffalo, North Carolina, South Carolina, and North Carolina Wilmington. Those are the seven teams I watch most games if I can. Sometimes there's two on at the same time or even three, but I do the best to watch and cover and follow those seven teams along with the rest of college basketball, the other 351 teams. But this weekend, ready for this, folks? The seven teams I root for, they all won. You can't make this up. I just kept turning on college basketball games of my favorite teams, and all they did was keep winning. Friday night, St. John's doesn't just win. They blow Butler off the court, 91-57. to Playing at home at Carnesecca, where St. John's plays very well when they play on campus. Blows Butler off the court. Butler's a good team. And that coming off Wednesday, when they beat Xavier, 
86-73. They're a team, Xavier, people say right now is in the NCAA tournament. So St. John's had a terrific week. We're going to talk about that with Mike when he calls at 8.30. Uh, but I do think St. Bonaventure, oh, excuse me, we're going to get to St. Bonaventure. St. John's is an interesting story right now. Then Saturday, I turn on the TV. My son goes to the University of South Carolina. What happens? South Carolina beats LSU 77-75 in a terrific basketball game. That's after they won on Tuesday against Ole Miss. Two in a row for South Carolina. They're now 16-10. and 10. They have a tough finish of the season, South Carolina. Um, but I think they could finish 17-13 and 13 or 18-12 and 12 and maybe get into the NIT. So congrats to Gamecock Nation. Uh, Frank Martin got a lot out of a team that doesn't have a lot of talent and may make the NIT at least. Then I turn on Buffalo, where I went to law school, right? And Buffalo played terrific basketball. Um, and they won two. And now they're 16-8. and eight. And uh, Buffalo just keeps rolling. They're a terrific team. They played Western Michigan on Saturday. They were supposed to blow them out. It was very close, and then they finally blew them out. So that was great. They're 16-8 and eight now. They have a chance to win their conference. Now for... Buffalo, Toledo, and Ohio in that MAC, MAC conference, uh, are very good. They got to get past them in the tournament to go to the NCAA tournament. They could make the NIT. Buffalo's finishing strong. I think Buffalo's probably going to finish about 19 and 10 for the season. Maybe they can win 20. Then I turn on North Carolina. Tough game on the road, Virginia Tech. The Tar Heels, they win 65 57. Um, they played very well. And it was a good game. Actually, 65-47. North Carolina beats Virginia Tech. North Carolina is, uh, right now, their record is 19-8. and I think they got another three wins in them. Probably go 22-9. and I think they could sneak into the NCAA tournament, but it's close. They're kind of a bubble team, uh, North Carolina. So we will see. Then St. Bonaventure, where I went to college, right out of high school. Duquesne was their matchup on Saturday night at home. Uh, it was a big night on campus. Some celebrities came to the game. They win 81 to 55. St. Bonaventure is now 17 and 7. I think they're finishing very, very strong. I think they're going to finish up 20 and 8. They have two tough games left, though VCU uh, on the road and Richmond at home. But I think they'll win three more games and finish with 20 wins. St. Bonaventure, the problem is, probably doesn't get them into the NCAA tournament, probably gets them into the NIT. But they could win. The Atlantic 10 tournament. So go Bonnies. Terrific. And lastly, well not lastly, UNCW. The Seahawks beat J James Madison 78-77 overtime. They're 19-8. We talked about them last week. One of the teams with the biggest turnaround from last year. Great job, Seahawks. And then Sunday, I get in my car and I drive over to the Heinz Center on Iona College's campus and watch Iona beat Fairfield 76-58. Iona has really turned things around. Iona is now 20, uh, 22 and 5. I think they're going to win their last four games, which is Canisius, Ryder, Manhattan, and Quinnipiac. I think they're going to finish 26 and 5, which will be a terrific season. Then they got to go win the MAC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament, which they can do, but you never know in a tournament a team could get tripped up. But Iona had a really Good week. I was very happy uh, that Iona was able to turn things around because on Tuesday, they played St. Peter's, who's very good. St. Peter's is a very good basketball team. 
Uh, and they were a challenge for anybody who plays them. They play every game close. They play great defense. They're tough. And it was a tough game for Iona. But Iona got it done. They got the win Tuesday against St. Peter's. And then at home, they were on the road, by the way, at St. Peter's. And then uh, they came home and played Fairfield at home yesterday. It was a close game in the first half. Iona kind of fell asleep a little bit. They got a big lead. Uh, but the game tightened up at halftime. But then Iona blew them off the court in the second half. Uh, completely dominated the game yesterday against Fairfield in the second half. And again, Iona, like I said, is 22-5. and five. That's a great season already. But I think they got four more wins in them in the regular season. Go 26-5. and five, And then they go in that tournament down in Atlantic City. And it'll be very exciting to see if Iona can win that tournament and then go to the NCAA tournament where they're going to be at 26-5 and five, and then uh, maybe three more wins in their conference tournament. They're going to be a very dangerous team to play in the NCAA tournament. I will tell you, Iona will be one of those teams. Our little Iona College down the road here in New Rochelle is going to be one of those teams that none of the big guys, the big big power conference teams is going to want to play with Coach Patino in the first round of the NCAA tournament. They're not going to want to play them. Uh, so congrats to Iona. They had a little bit of a stumble, right? They lost two games, um, Siena and Niagara. Things looked a little bit shaky, but then they turned it around. They won three in a row, two this week. Iona's back on the right track. The defense was a little better. The offense was a little better last couple of games. They're, they're, I think they're playing a better all-around game. Whatever they got out of their system in those two losses, they did. Coach Patino seemed optimistic that the team is playing better right now. Uh, maybe the, maybe you, those losses were teachable moments for Iona College. So we're excited about that. All right, so the phone is ringing, so I believe Connor Hope, our guest, is there. Um, he is. Chuck is pressing the buttons in the booth. So let me say hello uh, to Connor Hope, our guest. How are you, Connor? I'm doing great. How are you? Great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I've been uh, reading your post on Twitter for a few years now, and you do a great job of educating people about issues in college basketball. Let's get a little background from you. So it's fun that you are a Gonzaga and a UConn fan, which means you get to spend a lot of time watching winning basketball. Congratulations to you, Connor. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I grew up, grew up in Connecticut. I uh, went to Gonzaga for, for my undergrad. So, <laughs> What's uh, it like to go to a Gonzaga basketball game? It must be amazing. Oh, it's great. It's, uh, it, it's, it's loud. It's, it's always a riot, um, especially the big games where, where they have to camp out and wait hours in line. But, um, you know, it's just, it's part of the, uh, the culture at Gonzaga and, and it's what makes Gonzaga such a great school. It really is. It's a great story where, uh, in the last two decades, they went from being a, a, a program that was kind of shaky in the late nineties to uh, a blue blood, one of the best programs in America. Is it, is it, are you able to get tickets? If I like, flew out there for a game, could I get a ticket? Okay. Maybe I got to pay a lot, but it's doable. Uh, I mean, it's, it's doable. Um, it, they, they tend to sell their tickets mostly to, uh, donors. Um, but, uh, you can find tickets for, for quite a bit of money, um, online if you look hard enough. All right. So Connor, that's on my bucket list. Just so you know, I want to go see a Gonzaga <laughs> game at some point in my basketball, uh, fan career. Okay. All right. Great. Yeah. Uh, tell us about, um, where you, where you're, 
commenting on college basketball now, Heat Check CBB. I follow you guys. Did a fabulous preseason preview for the entire country, which was great. Uh, really good work. There. Tell us about Heat Check CBB. Yeah, uh, heatcheckcbb.com. It is the brainchild of uh, Eli Bettner, um and a bunch of us uh, towards last summer, so summer of 2020, I believe, um, signed on to, to be writers and Myself and Brian Ralph uh, co-host a weekly podcast during the season and then monthly during the off-season. Um, that's uh, for the website, and you can find that on Spotify uh, and where Apple and wherever you get your, your podcasts. Um, do a, a pretty big preseason preview, uh, and we are working right now on uh, a lot of content, for all the good, a lot of good content for uh, March, um, specifically for the uh, NCAA tournament. Do you do this full time? I do not. No, this is a it's a part time gig, um, and uh, it's just it's it's my way of uh, expressing myself and and talking about college hoops without annoying people. So well, you do a great <laughs> it's, job. It's um, you and I have been connected, I think, for a couple of years now on Twitter. So that's great, and we'll keep chatting. And I like your podcast as well. I do listen to it. I'm going to rank you with my radio show as 1 and 1A. How about that? All right. Sounds good. Sounds fair. All right. <laughs> let's get into the issues. So we're going to start. I saved the issue. We had a mess yesterday in college basketball, a big mess, right? Michigan at Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin opens up a big lead, gets a lead. Um, they put the backups in, and uh, Jawan Howard, the Michigan coach, decides to press them. By the way, in my view, both fair. If you... You can certainly put your backups in, and the other guy could certainly decide to keep pressing you. Uh, but where things got tense is when uh, the coach of Wisconsin called a late timeout because the backups were having trouble inbounding the ball with the press. And I think that was a fine decision, too. He certainly had a right to have a teachable moment with his players uh, to talk about inbounding the ball with a press against a good team like Michigan with all their starters still in, the, in an unwinnable game, by the way. So that happened. The game ended, and then chaos ensued. Uh, the coaches got into it arguing. Uh, Greg Gard kind of grabbed um, jo Jawan Howard's uh, arm and then Jawan Howard stuck his finger in his face and uh, they're arguing and then everybody descends upon them trying to break it up and then uh, Jawan Howard made a colossal error in reaching across and kind of smacking an assistant coach for Wisconsin in the head and then players are throwing punches and, you know, my simple take on this is Coaches are supposed to be the leaders. Coaches are supposed to be the mature ones. Coaches are supposed to be the ones that are calming things down in those moments. And both coaches, to some degree, um, exacerbated the problem, um, particularly Juwan Howard by smacking an assistant coach in the head, which led to players punching each other. So when a coach takes an action that leads to students, athletes punching, uh, that coach has to pay a price. And he was suspended today, Juwan Howard, for the rest of the season. I don't know what happens with Greg Gard. Uh, a real mess, kind of a shame, a great basketball game ruined by this. Kind of here we are, three weeks for the tournament. Sad to see all this. Uh, what's your take, Connor? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to start off. Neither coach before the final horn did anything that I would say is wrong. Um, so Juan Howard wanted to continue playing in a game that he had no chance of winning uh, until the final whistle, which, which is perfectly fine. Um, Greg Gard, on his end, decided, okay, I'll let my – backups play and I'll coach it as if I'm coaching a real game. Um, and so that, that's perfectly fine. Uh, 
I think where it all started to go wrong was Duan Howard said something to Greg Gard in kind of a, an attempted blow by moment and Greg Gard got in his way. I don't know what he was trying to say, what he was trying to do. He says he was trying to deescalate it. Um, but I don't know how you deescalate a blow by. Um, and it, it, it really was a, a very bad look, not, not just for those two schools. Um, but also just for college basketball as a whole, uh, you can't have coaches, especially coaches at big time programs, um, getting going at it like they were. Uh, they they announced the five game or regular season suspension for Juwan Howard, which I think is about right. Uh, you could argue that he should have been suspended for the Big Ten tournament as well, um, but that could be an additional game or two at most. So uh, you know it's five to seven games is right in the wheel realm of, of where I thought his suspension should be. Um, I felt like Wisconsin's coaches might've gotten off a little bit light. Greg guard got a $10,000 fine. Uh, his assistant coach, I don't believe was actually uh, punished at all. Um, the three players who, who threw punches who were involved all got suspended for a game, uh, which to me seems about right. They, were they just got involved when everything started going haywire. They didn't cause it. They weren't the ones, uh, in, you know, fanning the flame, so to speak. So um, all in all, I, I think maybe everyone got off a little bit light, depending on, on what you think the punishment should have been. Uh, but it wasn't a good look, and, and, and I think there should have been the punishments handed down that were handed down. So, um, I, 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 you know, I think in, in a week or two, we're not going to be talking about this in, uh situation anymore but Juwan, this isn't Jawan Howard's first time uh, going at it with an opposing coach. More church and um, I watched that game too. Yeah so I don't know if there's how much more leash he has. I kind of knew he had leash just because he is part of the Fab Five. He does have so much goodwill um, with, with the fan base with the donors uh, because of how well he coached last year's team and and the the ability that he has to recruit, um, but but we'll see. Uh, yeah. We'll yeah, see I if he's actually. Juwan Howard got involved in another one of these incidents. Number three, that would be three strikes. I don't imagine he would survive that at Michigan. I think they would fire him at that point. I think they gave him one more chance here, and like you said, it's probably fair that he got one more chance. It was kind of a mess yesterday. You know, just one thing, Connor. This hits on one of my pet peeves. And by the way. This goes from multiple sports and throughout my life since I played sports in high school. And that is, I hate this notion of these unwritten rules at the end of a game that a coach or a team has to do a certain thing. I mean, for instance, a couple of years ago, my son and I went to the same high school. The school, they were winning very big in the game. I think it was like 40 to 14. And they put all the backups in and the backups scored a few more touchdowns. And there was this big thing on Facebook and the media condemning my son's school for running up the score. You know what? When you put the backups in, you got to let the kids keep playing the sport they play. You don't tell kids not to play the sport when they're on the field. That's how they get hurt. Uh, and I felt that way this season several times now when these coaches whine about someone calling a timeout or uh, or the or the coach who's down in the big uh, pressing like Juwan Howard. All of this is okay, as you said. But the, there's no unwritten rules here. And at the end of the day, if Juwan Howard was so upset uh, that – uh, Wisconsin called a timeout. You know how to avoid that next time, Connor? Have your team play better and coach better and don't get blown out. But this is not, you know, this is 
this, this kind of whining that goes on by fans and coaches, a pet peeve of mine. If I'm coaching and I'm Greg Gard and he has his starters in and I have my backups in, I'm calling that timeout too. I, I agree with you. And, and I think, I mean, if you want to say that had Greg, Greg Gard left his starters in and Brad Davison takes a three with two seconds left in that game, and that's kind of a, a little bit too much. I might see where you're coming from, not necessarily from the perspective of don't let them continue to play, but we've seen coaches keep players in late in games that probably shouldn't have been in, and the player gets hurt. Right. And if you're a fan of that team, you don't want those players left in. But if you have backups in and you're trying to coach them or you have walk-ons in and they take a three late in the game because they're never or may never get another shot to take a three in a game, I think that's fair game. I agree. Um, All right, Connor, let's I'm, switch. I'm with you. We're running out of time. Gonzaga, I love the team. I've said on this show, when I watch Gonzaga play, they're so beautiful on offense, I feel like I'm watching the ballet. Um, Do you think Gonzaga has what it takes this year to win the national championship? I do. I I think they have what it takes. Um, The the two biggest question marks facing them heading into the year, specifically three-point shooting percentage and uh, their, their ability to play on the wing were, I think, the two biggest question marks. We knew that they had Andrew Nemhard manning the point, and he was going to be good. We knew that Chet Holmgren and Drew Timmy were going to be good in the front court. But their ability to make threes, they're shooting 37.5% from three, which is top 30 in the country. Um, Julian Strother is quickly establishing himself as a potential draft pick, uh, and they have one of the best coaches in the country. Uh, and I think that they play winning basketball, and we've seen it now with Arizona and Tommy Lloyd bringing that same mindset, that same, same play style to Arizona, that the way Mark Few coaches these teams, which is fast, efficient shots, focusing on getting to the rim, don't turn the ball over, play stout defense, is a winning formula. And they've been knocking on the door so much that I think this year of any year is just as good a shot. That's not to say that they are the far-gone favorite. Obviously, I, meant, I mentioned Arizona, but also Kentucky, Purdue, uh, Auburn, other schools like that have just as good a shot. But but to say that Gonzaga doesn't have a chance to win the national championship because of the conference they play in or because of the, the fact that they haven't won one, um, that's just wrong. I, I think they're one of the clear five best teams in the country. And, I agree. and it'll play out itself out of March. I agree. Uh, they may just be in my final box for my bracket, Connor, just so you know. I'm, I'm still thinking about Gonzaga to win it all. I'll tell you the thing that jumps out at me when I watch them play. It's court spacing. They, they space the court to give guys uh, ability to dribble drive, get hit the open man uh, with a pass. They space the floor better than any team I've seen in the country, and that goes back to coaching. Yep, yep, and they, they always make that extra pass to get the best shot they can. They really do. All right, let's switch. We got one more. Tomorrow, huge game. We have Villanova, terrific basketball team, um, Fortune 5 100 company, as John Rothstein calls them. They just win every year. They're so well coached. Going against a very good UConn team. What's your take on that game? I, I like the, the uh, Huskies in this spot. Um, Villanova, obviously one of the 10 to 15 best teams in the country, uh, have perhaps one of the best uh, starting fives in, in the country, definitely likely the best in, in the Big East. Um, great, great school. Have a star in Colin Gillespie. But uh, when it comes to UConn, they just play really good defense, and they have the clear advantage down low with Adama Sanogo. 
Um, RJ Cole is a playmaker. Tyrese Martin, if he can get a couple of good looks in from three, um, can, can certainly help provide some scoring impact. But the way they play defense, um, to me, is what makes UConn such a good team and a second weekend threat. And look, Villanova has been good. They, they've won five in a row, uh, starting with that win at home against UConn. Um, they've also beat uh, a good, really good Providence team um, on the road. But that's a team that if you can hang with them for 35 minutes, you have a really good shot to beat them. Because what we've seen pretty much all year is that they struggle, I think, and it, and it goes to lack of depth a little bit, to play a full 40-minute game of basketball. I agree. The elite level that they play the first 35 minutes. Yeah, I agree. Minutes. All right, so, Connor, that's the music. Give my listeners a Cinderella for the NCAA tournament. South Dakota State is going to win their first game in, in, in March. They, they are a great three-point shooting team. Great choice. Connor, you were fantastic. Thank you so much for being part of the show. I'll chat with you on Twitter. All right, thanks. Have a good one. Thanks so much. All right, that was Connor Hope. Great job. Go to commercial fo- break, folks, and we'll be right back. College Hoops Chat. I'm your host, Jim Maceno, and I believe uh, we have our guest on the line, Mike Zabo. Mike, are you there? Yep, I'm here, Jim. Thanks so much for having me on again. Well, I appreciate it. You were so good the last time we had to have you back because you are a senior, right, at St. John's, and you work on the campus uh, radio station, and you also do a blog, I believe, uh, called Storm the Paint, so you're always involved with uh, covering St. John's basketball, and all of a sudden... Your team is really hot. Yeah, they've been looking really good in the last two games. I think the, the, the way they went on the road and beat Xavier was a bit, a bit of a shock to me, and that was impre- just an impressive performance all around, the best they probably looked all season. And then the Butler game on Friday, I mean, I, I think you wouldn't have been surprised if they would have won that game at Carnesecca Arena, but to win it in the fashion that they did was absolutely incredible. They annihilated Butler. I, I mean, it was. <laughs> I was. I have to tell you, I watched the game. I watched every minute of the game. I was utterly shocked that they won ninety-one to fifty-seven. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the lar- was it the largest margin of victory in a Big East game for St. John's since nineteen ninety-nine. I mean, they, 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 Butler was just not in it from the beginning. I get they were missing one of uh, Bo Hodges, their three-point shooter, that went nuts on St. John's in the first matchup, and it kept it really close. But I. I don't think anybody had a 30-point victory for St. John's in the cards. We didn't. So let me say this to you, Mike. So we're both St. John's fans, so we have our biases, but we I think we're two more objective fans when I see both of us commenting uh, on Twitter. You know, I think maybe we missed something a little bit with this team, and I'll tell you what it is. Um, St. John's did not get off to a good start. After they lost to Providence in the beginning of February, they were 11-9. and nine. But then they won two games. They beat Georgetown and Butler, both on the road, got themselves to 13-9, and nine, and fans started getting a little excited again. 
And then they lost two straight games, right? They lost to Villanova at home and UConn at home, and fans got a little down on them. But, you know, probably the most important player on the team or one of the two most important players on the team missed both games. Missed the Villanova game, missed the UConn game. These are nationally ranked teams. They only lost to Villanova 75-69. They were in that game at the very end. UConn game was extremely close, 63-60. We probably should have known that something was up with this team, that they were getting a little better when they played so well without Posh Alexander. Mike Anderson and his February runs. I mean, it's, it's what it is so far in three years in it, it, it. This team always seems to figure something out in February, no matter where they are in the standings, which is good and frustrating at the same time. It's good because you always, as a team, you always want to be playing your best basketball toward the end of the regular season, heading into your conference tournaments in the postseason. But at the same time, it's frustrating because you just wish, as a St. John's fan, that they, did, that they didn't build up such a huge hole for themselves earlier on in the year. And where was this team that we're seeing the past couple of games, whether it's in losses or these past two wins, where was this team earlier in the year when in a season you know, where Mike Anderson had all of his guys, all of his recruits, all of his transfers, took quite a long time to really figure this out. But I think these last two games, they've really figured out the rotation, figured out what really works. That was really well said, Mike. I think it's a perfect example of this uh, St. John seasons and the positives and the frustrations. I would say the only time I saw this kind of basketball we saw in the last two games was that game at Seton Hall in that small gym where they won yep. uh, 84-63. That, that, they played like that then, but then they stopped playing like that. Um, but uh, the Xavier game, I agree. I was shocked that they won 86-73 on the road at Xavier, although Xavier's not playing well lately. But nevertheless, they beat a really good Xavier team. They beat a good Butler team. But now we have Wednesday. Wednesday is now turned into a massively big game for St. John's and their fans because they're playing Creighton uh, at Carnesecca. And that's 6.30 on Wednesday night. And they, they play very well at Carnesecca, in my view. I think St. John's always plays better at Carnesecca than they do at Madison Square Garden. This is now a huge game. And the crazy thing about this game, they already played Creighton at Creighton and got blown off the court, utterly destroyed, 87-64, to 64, and it wasn't even that close. So what a crazy game coming up Wednesday. St. John's wins this game. You start thinking a little bit about the bubble, don't you, Mike? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if they win this game, you start really believing that they can run the table the rest of the regular season and maybe sneak in um, with the game or two in Big East tournament or whatnot. But if they win, if they win out this regular season, I think they're really in the mix for the bubble. Uh, this is laser focus is all on Wednesday night. Uh, it's absolutely monumental. It's going to be a whiteout night in Carnesec Arena. I think it should be a really good atmosphere. I think some fans are pulled back in after they were coming back out. Uh, I think they're pulled back in now after a recent stretch of good performances and then these last two wins. Maybe they have a little bit of a shot here. I am surprised, though, I saw ESPN had like a win probability, um, you know, projecting out this game, like 71% for St. John's, which just it baffles me a little bit given the fact of you know, I get St. John's is playing good, but the last time these two teams played, Creighton ran them out of the gym. Well, the big storyline heading into the game is the Alex O'Connell injury. He came up injured, and Creighton's went on uh, over Marquette on uh, yesterday. So if he's not able to go, I mean, this uh, that's a big blow to the Creighton team, one of their better scorers. 
uh, lit up St. John's for 28 points last month. So uh, if he's not there, that's a huge uh, uh, that's a huge hit to Creighton. Huge boost for St. John's. So that's an interesting storyline to monitor the next couple of days. He's very good. A former Duke player that transferred to Creighton. He played terrific in the first St. John's game. Absolutely. They also got Ryan Hawkins, who's very good, who I believe is a Division II transfer, who's playing some terrific basketball, leads them in scoring. But they have a lot of good players, Creighton, and they're getting better and better, and they're young. They have a lot of young guys. Uh, this is a team that next year is going to be terrific, but right now they're playing very well. As a matter of fact, just so everybody knows, before I ask for Mike about uh, what he's thinking about Creighton coming in this game, they're on a five-game win streak, beating Butler, Georgetown twice, DePaul, and Marquette. Now, I understand Georgetown and DePaul are the lower end of the Big East, but they're still getting it done. Five in a row is always tough in the Big East, but beating Marquette yesterday was a huge win for them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, huge upset. It was a, it was a regular season double for Creighton on them, and a, another huge tip in their cap to the resume. I mean, this is going to be quite a game. I, I, I think it's going to be a lot closer than the previous contest that we saw in Omaha. Uh, I think it's going to be a really good game. I agree. So St. John's this Wednesday has Creighton. We just build it as their biggest game of the year, and it is. And it should be exciting. I think it'll be close. I agree. I think it'd be a, a really good basketball game. Then they go out on Sunday and play at DePaul. Certainly a winnable game. Not that DePaul's as much as a pushover as maybe they've been in prior years. DePaul's very competitive this year, even if their record has kind of dropped off once they got into the Big East. Then they have Xavier at home. Now, it is a home game. They already beat Xavier, but Xavier's not going to want to get swept. And they're looking to get in the NCAA tournament well. That's going to be a really hard game. And then they end the season. This is the game, Mike, that really worries me. Saturday, March 5th, they end the season at Marquette. Marquette's a really good basketball team. They look like they're already in the tournament. Uh, this is going to be a tough four-game run for St. John's. Yeah, it's tough. But if you're Mike Anderson and you're the team, you have to just You've seen the motto on Twitter, you really have to just take it, survive in advance. you got to act like these next four games in the regular season are tournament games and just take each one and go one by one. I mean, it's really what it's going to take. I know some people say three and one to finish out the year. This team needs every win that they could get uh, to be able to try and even have a shot to sneak in on the bubble. I was looking back a little bit uh, to St. John's a couple of years ago, that first four team with the final year of Shamori Pons and Chris Mullen, uh, that 2018-19 team. Remember, that team was a, a first four team, and I remember they were five and seven in quad one games. Uh, they had a decent resume that wasn't exactly glowing. They had 21 wins, but had some bad losses here and there. I believe they had a couple losses to DePaul, uh, a couple losses to Xavier as the season went down the stretch, but Anyways, they had 21 wins. They were 5-7 and seven in quad one at a decent resume and just snuck in in the first four. So if you're looking at it for St. John's, I get obviously circumstances are different. You look at how the Big East is this year. Uh, it's a little bit similar to how that was three years ago in that uh, run for St. John's. But you look at it, they probably need at least two more quad one wins. And if you can't get the quad one wins, because certainly you're worried about Xavier, the way they're falling off, you might lose that quad one win that you had last week. And certainly if you beat them again, it may be, wind up being a quad two, but you just have to rack up whatever wins you can get. I Maybe agree. grab a win or two in the Big East tournament. I agree. So, Mike, I agree. You and I have talked about this on Twitter. Uh, I think if, if St. John's wins three of their last four, they have a shot. You can throw them in the bubble conversation, but it's, it, it may not happen. 
But if they do win their final four and go grab a win or two in the Big East tournament, they probably got themselves in. So it's going to be very interesting to watch St. John's. You and I will be rooting for them in the weeks to come. Yeah, absolutely. Should be really interesting. Can't wait for Wednesday. I'll be on the call for that one. That's great. That's really great. So you're going to be calling that live on the campus radio station? Yep, absolutely. We're on iHeartRadio, WSG Radio. All right, sounds great. All right, so let's do a couple other things while I I have you here. Um, Tell me right now, if you had to pick, if you were walking into the arena, Madison Square Garden on that Friday night, who's going to be in the final four of the Big East tournament uh, at Madison Square Garden in the semifinals? Going off of the standings right now, going off of everything right now, I'm going to go with Providence, UConn, Villanova, and then I got Marquette. Marquette has been looking up and down, but just looking at the standings, uh, um, they would probably be going up against Creighton. I don't always, I have a weird superstition about uh, a team beating someone else three times in a season. So maybe Mar- Shaka Smart finally figures out a plan and cracks the Creighton nut um, to get past them. So I like, I feel like the way the, the Big East has gone this year, you know, just going with the top four, because those are really the, the four teams right now that are the hottest, is kind of strange because this has been a year where the Big East, anybody can beat anybody. Some of the teams are, are busting up some of the others or really giving a scare. I know Seton Hall, they suffered, almost suffered a scare. They got a scare against DePaul this weekend. Stuff like that has been happening in the Big East. It's, it's always a tough conference. So I feel like there's, there's one team that may sneak in there, but I'm going to go with Providence, UConn, Villanova, and Marquette. I uh, mentioned Marquette there. Providence, you just really love their ability this year to, to win out and close out really close games. They have a great record with games decided by five points or less. So I really like them in a tournament setting to – just chip away and be able to get through. And you think about it, they're trying to get their first ever regular season uh, title. I mean, how good would that uh, for Ed Cooley to follow that up by a Big East championship? I agree. Um, I think it's a very fine choice, Mike. I really do. I could see that happening. Although, you know, the problem with these predictions is some team will sneak in we're not even thinking about, you know, but that's a very sound. I probably would go with the same four. All right, one more, one more question. Pick, give me a Cinderella in the NCAA tournament. Last caller did South Dakota State. What do you have for us? If they're able to sneak in, I like Memphis to win a couple of games. You like Memphis with all their five-star freshmen, right? Yeah, I, I think they've, they've been having a late uh, season resurgence. They've won a couple of games in a row with Penny Hardaway on the bubble as of right now. They're able to sneak in. Watch out. They might be able to sneak in a winner too. Okay, Mike, thank you so much. I appreciate the call. We'll talk to you again. Yep, absolutely. Take care, Jim. Okay, bye-bye. All right, folks, we're going to a commercial break, and then we'll be back. Final segment of the show. 1460 WVOX. They're playing basketball. We love that basketball. They're playing basketball. Okay, folks, we are back on College Hoops Chat. I'm the host, Jim Maysano, and on the line, we have Kenny from Rye, our number one caller. Kenny, are you there? James, how we doing? So much to talk about, right? No doubt, no doubt. A busy week and a crazy weekend. All right, so let's start with Iona College. Since you and I both sat at that game yesterday, Iona really had a terrific win, in my estimation. In the second half, they played almost flawless basketball, both defensively and offensively. Second half, Kenny, I don't know if you know, they shot 61% from the field, 
56% from uh, three-point. Their defense was strong all game. It was a really nice performance. Uh, now three in a row, and the other two games were two, probably the the two best teams besides Iona in the MAC conference in beating Monmouth and St. Peter's. They got two good wins there, but then they came home, and Fairfield's a good team, even though they haven't had a great season. That, so it was a nice three-game run for Iona after getting tripped up twice. It really seems to me, when I walked out of the gym yesterday, that Iona has got their swagger back. They're playing really well, and they're on the right track, and I think they can close out the season with four more wins. Yeah, I mean, they, it was two different games. As you said, the first half was kind of sloppy back and forth, and it ended up being, if not tied, at the half. Um, and then coming out, Iona's situation is unusual, though, from a perspective of one thing they are is they're an incredibly streaky shooting team from the outside. So whatever, whenever they build confidence or however they build confidence from a shooting perspective, see seems to feed over to the other members of the team or those that are on the court at the time. We've seen that a few games where they've come back and won it with a couple minutes left. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, they looked like a different team in the second half, not only not only offensively, but defensively as well. So I think they're positioned very, very nicely um, over the course of the next four games. And, you know, they've got some of the quote-unquote weaker opponents uh, of the MAC coming up. So we'll see how that goes. But, yeah, I mean, again, Going into the tournament, though, as you say, is, is going gonna, is gonna to be all of it. Whether they finish with 24 or 25 wins, I think it's only going to matter if they, win the, if they win the tournament to go to the NCAAs. I agree. So they have Canisius coming up Friday night. Um, Canisius is one of the weaker teams in MAC At home, that's a pretty, pretty good game for Iona this Friday night. And it'll be raucous. The arena will be filled on a fr- Friday night. Then they go and they play at Ryder. Uh, Iona... One of their strongest games of the year was against Ryder. They're also towards the bottom. So the next two games, I feel pretty good. Iona should ha- shouldn't have much problem. But the last two games are not automatic. Manhattan's a good team. Quinnipiac's a good team. We'll see how those two go. Um, so it'll be an interesting finish. But I do think Iona can close with four wins, go 26-5. and five. But you're right. All that matters for Iona at this point is going uh, through all the way through the MAC tournament and winning so they can go to the NCAA tournament. So one thing Coach Patino said that I thought was interesting was when Nelly Jr. Joseph gets rolling, the whole team plays better because the other team has to commit more guys down low, which opens up the court for guys like Tyson Jolly and Elijah Joyner and Dylan Van Eyck and the rest of them. And I think that's really, I think we saw that yesterday in the second half, didn't we? Yeah, I mean, I, it goes to the inside out, right? I mean, when, when as you say, once they get rolling inside and they, they you know, they're doubling uh, Nelly Junior Joseph there, that obviously it leaves a little bit of space for the other guys, and that and that obviously helps from a shooting perspective. So uh, I definitely noticed he he's had some kind of up and down games. The second half of the of the uh, game the other day against Fairfield, he looked at probably at its at his best that I've seen over the course of the last handful of games. All right, so let's jump over to your alma mater. Had a, a tough loss this week, losing to Villanova at home. They played well. They just couldn't get across the finish line against Villanova. Villanova just made a few more shots than they did uh, on Tuesday. Then on Sunday, yesterday, they really had a tough game on the road with Butler. They barely won in overtime. They had to do a massive comeback, but they did. Hey, winning on the road in the Big East isn't easy. You got the win. So here you are, uh, the Providence Friars. Here we are. At 22-3 and three, this late in the season, have still on their great season, and you have Xavier coming up at home, 
You got Creighton coming up at home. Two hard games, but certainly winnable. And then you close the season at Villanova, which will be a tough one. How are you feeling as a Friar fan? Yeah, I, I, over the last couple of games, I, I saw the DePaul game firsthand where they, you know, uh, I saw that I was up there for that game. That was a little bit of a kind of a weird situation that, for a team that, as you say, has fought hard in all their games, and they're definitely uh, a better team than they have been. Uh, Providence came out kind of, uh, you, know, uh, you know, on and off, and, you know, they looked a little off defensively. Um, and then the Villanova game they were up for, and I thought that was actually a pretty good game. I don't think they were, they made a few mistakes down at the end, which probably cost them, and you can't do that against Villanova. And, you know, the, the maturity of Villanova, you know, came right through as, as, as it has for us. I think Villanova's off, you know, out-of-conference schedule that was very, very tough uh, is really proven to be very, very helpful for a team like theirs now. So that was a big game. And then yesterday, to be honest with you, there was a miracle. They came back. They were down 19 points with about, I think, about 15 minutes to go, and they came all the way back to win in overtime. So, again, kind of like we were saying all year, you know, how is it going to play out? It looks like the teams that get together and the teams that are a little bit more mature, particularly at the point, are, are, are doing better than, 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 than the others that kind of went with the younger team. Listen, you struggled against DePaul at home. You lost to Villanova, and then you struggled against Butler. Your team is hitting a little bit of a bump in the road, but they could certainly turn around the final three, Xavier, Creighton, and Villanova. We'll see what happens. All right, let's just uh, ask you about tomorrow. What do you think about that Villanova-UConn game? You know, I was looking at the at the net rankings because obviously that's what it comes down to for the at-large teams, uh, you know, and going into the tournament situation if you don't have the automatic and it's kind of interesting because UConn is uh, has the second best um, net ranking in in the Big East. Villanova has a seven. UConn is seventeen. Uh, Xavier is twenty five, and we we don't come in. And Providence doesn't come in until twenty seven. So it's, it is kind of interesting. And I guess you know, I know, I know that everybody loves UConn. They loved them last year. They're gonna love them this year. They, they, I'd be interested to see. They've had some good wins, and they've also had some unusual losses. So um, I know they have on and off injuries, um, but again, you know, the, the net rankings are there statistically. So we'll have to we'll have to see. I'm, I'm very interested to see the game, as you were saying. I think Villanova is playing extremely well, and obviously for UConn, this is probably their biggest game of the year. So that so I agree, Kenny. We have another person calling, but I all agree. Tomorrow, Villanova at UConn is a tremendous game. I also think Creighton at St. John's is a very interesting game on Wednesday. But let me go to the next caller, Kenny. Thank you so much uh, for being part of the show. Thanks, James. Okay, bye-bye now. All right, we have one more caller. I think it's John from Porchester. John, are you there? Yes, hello there, Jim. How you doing? Thank you so much for the call. So I saw you yesterday at a very exciting Iona College win. They they uh, played terrific in the second half. They didn't play terrific in the first half, but they, uh, they really came out of that gym after halftime and played some of their best basketball all year against Fairfield. Absolutely. A 14-0 run, and at that point it was over. Um, and everything went through Nelly, uh, Junior Joseph, who ended up being the uh, player of the week uh, in the MAC. And boy, he is the difference maker on that team. Uh, we have we have a lot of weapons, but boy, when he's on, uh, there's no. Uh, it's going to be hard to stop Iona. Um, separate from that, even and, and that was a really good crowd, Jim. Yesterday, I, it was it was packed. It was fun. I know they I know they, I know they uh, had some uh, tickets they were giving away, but who cares? It was uh, a lot of people in there. It was capacity, so that was a good good sign. And everyone's getting on board, following the gales. 
Uh, that St. Peter's win, Jim, was in really good win. That was their best conference win of the year on the road against a real tough St. Peter's team. I agree. What I liked about the St. Peter's game is they were on the road against a, a very battle-tested, hard-nosed team that likes to play rugged. And I got in the game and got down a little bit, and you almost saw them say, we're not going to flinch. Now we know the game that we have to play here. We could do it better than you. And then they did, right? They out-toughed St. Peter's the rest of the way and got a very strong win. I think the St. Peter's win was exactly the kind of win you got to get in the MAC tournament. Yeah, absolutely. And again, the depot, who's a tough player, uh, defensive player for St. Peter's, and uh, Nelly uh, came up to the challenge. He was struggling uh, uh, for those uh, several games, and boy, did he come up big! And he and the um, and the the uh, Mac Player of the Week definitely uh, deserving deserving for uh, for him. Uh, one thing I, I'd like to point out because everyone is uh, how we're all excited about what's going on with Iona and uh, with Rick Pitino. Boy, would none of this be possible if it wasn't for our previous coach Tim Cluse and that wonderful job that he did. Uh, for all those years, and um, uh, we're lucky. We're spoiled at Iona, and, and, and now we have Rick Pitino. So, oh, my goodness. You know, but Tim Kloos laid the groundwork for, uh, for, for so many years, and, boy, I'll tell you, we, we miss him, and, uh, and, but we're, we're, we're thankful for everything he did uh, all those years. I agree. Terrific basketball coach Tim Kloos, and I hope he's feeling better. John from Fort Chester, thank you so much for the call. Uh, Jim, uh, we'll speak soon and see you at the game. See you Friday. All right. right. Folks, that's the end of the show. College Hoop Chat. Thanks for the callers. It was a great show. I'll be back next Monday night. We'll be talking more uh, about the conference tournaments and the NCAA tournament next Monday night. Thank you, everybody. To the, to the hoop.